Welcome back to the Strong Chicks Rock podcast. I am so happy you guys are tuning in today. Again, I love doing these podcasts and I am super happy because today I have my friend Simi on and we had an amazing conversation. Simi is local to Columbus, Ohio, and she works with women here and all over the world, helping them create healthy relationships with food and their bodies. So obviously I had to have her on. We had to jam about self-love, binge eating, um, and coming home into your body, coming into a place of love. I knew that we were going to have an awesome conversation and we did. Um, she's amazing and it was so wonderful to connect with her. I, I can't say in real life because it wasn't in real life, but I feel like we have been social media friends for a while now and I like follow along with her and her family. So to be able to, to, uh, just vibe on all things, loving your body, um, it was really, really cool. So take a listen. If you have any questions, I would be happy to answer anything that arose for you during this podcast. So enjoy, you guys. So I kind of told people I recorded a little intro, and so they kind of know who you are and what you do, but I would love in your own words, kind of what it is you do with women. Absolutely. So I am a health and lifestyle coach, and I... I work with women really on their relationships with themselves. So the focus is two parts, self-care and intuitive eating. Um, And all of the work that we do together is about helping, um, helping the women that I work with to connect with themselves, learn to listen to their bodies, learn to listen to their hearts, learn to trust what they hear, and Mm. then to follow through, um, to follow through with actions that honor them their bodies, their minds, their souls, their spirits. Oh my gosh, I love that. And so support it 100%. I love that the the root of it all is really helping women like come home into their bodies and teaching them how to trust themselves. I think that that's um so different than what you see in like the health, wellness, fitness world. And so thank you for being a light in that industry because it's kind of hard well thank you for doing the exact same (laughs) i feel like you do so much amazing work to empower women it's so it's so cool i love following along with everything that you're doing and i am i am inspired by by you oh well thank you i love you know i feel like i'm sure that you can relate like i mean you work from home you're a mom and so when i get on and i like watch people's stories on Instagram, I feel like I'm, like, a part of their life. I mean, because, yes, like, I get out and I do things, but, like, I'm like, oh, what are her and Osh doing today? That looks so much fun. <laughs> um, so can you tell us kind of what your relationship with your food or with food and your body looked like growing up? Because that's, um, I feel like, the root of where you are, where you are now is. Yeah, definitely. So, um really like as a as a kid I would say I always I always sort of felt like the the chubby the chubby kid Mm -hmm. um I wasn't very athletic and I started to just sort of notice like oh I feel like my body's bigger than some of my friends um and started making comparisons at a young Mm -hmm. age which I know a lot of a lot of women can relate to and even even as young as like playing you know, little league softball and stuff, I could tell that I wasn't as 
physically fit or as active as some of the other kids. And so that was when I first, when I first started to get self-conscious and a bit uncomfortable in my body. And that mentality really stuck, stuck with me, um, throughout middle school and high school, um, college and, you know, and beyond. And so whenever I would hear about a diet, I felt like, oh, I should try that. Maybe this will be the thing that will help me to look thinner or look like the other women um, that I'm seeing. And so that's really that's really what it looked like growing up. I started um, I started running track in middle school, and at the same time that I was running track, I also started to go through puberty. Um. And because of those two things combined, I I sort of lost you know, quote unquote, like baby fat. And so got thinner. And when that happened, um, I noticed getting more attention. So Mm. it felt like boys started to notice me to want to hang out with me more and whether or not those two things were connected. I mean, I'll never know because you can't be inside someone else's head, but to me, they felt connected. Yeah. And so it almost validated everything that, um, everything that I have believed to be true about my body and my weight. And, you know, from then on, it was like, what can I do to stay thin, to stay small? Um, and trying different, different plans, different diets, um, wanting to exercise as a way of, of continued weight loss. And because of the restriction, I also um, fell into uh, binge eating. And so it was really just a roller coaster of, of trying to keep myself small and then, you know, gorging myself on, on foods and, and binging on those foods. And that was really, I mean, my relationship with food and my body um, up until about five years ago. And I'm 30 now, so until I was like 25. Wow. So can you talk a little bit, if you're comfortable with it, about what what like binge eating looked like for you and how you kind of came out of that? Because I think, I mean, I know that I can relate um, very much so, and I kind of felt like I always would call it a food thing, like I have this food thing, um, because I, I didn't realize what I was doing. I didn't know that a binge eating disorder was a legitimate thing. And I just kind of thought that I just overate too much until I realized that it, it was very far from that and much more than, you know, occasionally eating too much ice cream. So can you kind of tell us like what that experience was like for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would totally agree with you where it's like, oh, I have this food problem. Like mm-hmm. I definitely thought, oh, I just have this, I have a willpower problem. Like yeah. I don't have willpower. I can't keep myself from overeating or I have this, this food thing. What I need is another diet that will like, you know, make this disappear. If I could just be a little bit stronger or, or whatever. Um, I really thought it was related to the food. My binges, my binges often happened, um, in the evening at nighttime, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, is pretty common. I would come home and I would, um, eat, eat my dinner, typically something that was, you know, in line with whatever plan I was on at that time. Yeah. And then I would find myself like going back into the kitchen and looking for something, looking for something else. So I might open a jar of peanut butter and, you know, eat a few spoons of peanut butter and then put it back in the cabinet and walk out of the kitchen and then go back into the kitchen and open 
peanut butter jar up again and keep eating or dip, start dipping things in the peanut butter. And it was really, it, it felt like it started small and it would almost come over me like a wave to the point where I felt like I was almost like blacked out in the kitchen, just shoveling food, um, into my mouth. And, um, yeah, it was like in a trance, like I was floating out of my body. And then all of a sudden, you know, I would realize like, oh my gosh, you know, 10 minutes have gone by and I've just been shoveling like this food in, into my mouth. And now I feel my tummy hurts. I'm feeling really guilty feeling really, um, feeling really yucky. Uh, when I lived alone, I wouldn't think too much about this, but when I moved in with my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I would sometimes, um, you know, have eaten foods that were his and Mm. then would feel like really embarrassed and try to hide it so that he wouldn't like open up his, you know, jar of peanut butter and be like, what? I haven't even eaten any of this. Why is it all gone? So there was a, there was also that, element of secrecy and also like added guilt and embarrassment and shame around it um I would then you know start planning always after a binge there was a lot of planning like okay what am I going to do tomorrow to make up for this like how much am I going to exercise what am I going to eat exactly trying then to like enforce some control and like I mentioned earlier the willpower that I believed that I needed more of so that these binges wouldn't happen um and it was honestly, I mean, the binges only started to lessen and eventually um, stopped when I, I mean, I feel like two things were really, were really powerful in that journey for me. The first was understanding that I didn't have a food problem or a willpower problem. I really didn't even have like a binging problem. The binges were just, um, they were just a result of something else, something deeper going on. So I had to do that deeper work and yeah. figure out what I really needed and, to, to be able to move past that. Um, and the other thing was just a lot of reducing the restriction. Like I, the mental restriction, the physical restriction, the fun restriction, like I didn't have any fun in my life. It was everything I did was about, um, was about wanting to be, you know, wanting to lose weight. And so even if I was doing something that from the outside looked fun, the whole time I was thinking about, oh my gosh, is this, is this like wrecking my plan? Is this going to make me gain weight? How will I operate like within my current diet, like in this situation? And so I really like my whole life was just an act of restriction and the binges were such a cry for help. So I had to deal with the restriction and I also, um, you know, had to, had to learn how to take care of myself emotionally and, and physically and spiritually and mentally and all of that, like really learned how had to learn how to practice self-care and those were those were the things that you know put me on the healing journey oh yes I am so thankful that you shared all of that because I feel like it's you know binging there is a lot of shame and guilt intertwined within it because to you know the outside world or anybody else it's like yeah people when I've talked about it people are like oh so you like eat too much ice cream like Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, and and then that kind of wrecks you even more because you're just like, it it, it does. It, it feels like a wave. And, and then I used to tell people that it felt like I was like being taken over by like some like demon or something. Like I didn't, yes. even, yeah, I didn't even know who I was. And then it becomes scary because you don't even trust your body. Um, which is why the work that, that you do is so important. Teaching women how to trust their bodies. So 
you said. Well, I mean, you said many great things there, but I totally can relate to eating, um, well, now your husband's food, but like I was the same way. I would eat my then husband's food and then I would try and hide it and I would then lie about it. So I just like became this person that I didn't even know. And, and he's like, did you eat my Pop-Tarts? And I'm like the only person in the house that could have possibly eaten these Pop-Tarts. And I'm like, no, it wasn't me. And, and it's totally, like, <laughs> I can, I mean, I've been in that, exact, in that exact situation where I was like, no, I don't know who like, <laughs> ate all of those like cookies that you had, considering we live in a studio apartment that's just the two of us. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know how I thought I was fooling. Um, so one thing that you talked about was, was willpower and it felt like, you know, do I have like a willpower problem? And that's something that I feel like is like highly saturated in the, I, I don't think that, I think fitness and health are, are not the same. They're completely different. Um, but willpower is something that's so commonly talked about and all my, you know, my clients, they come to me and they're like, I know I don't have enough willpower. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what it's about. Um, so how would you go? Uh, or how do you detach the two, you know, that it's not about willpower, but like getting into that deeper work. Like, I guess kind of my question is, what did you do to get out of the mindset that it's, you know, not enough willpower? And what were the resources that you used to kind of step into that deeper work to heal what was on the inside and not just, you know, the labels that we put on ourselves of not enough willpower, you know, not a good enough diet, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Totally. When I think of willpower, I think of like pushing, like a lot of just really like effort and it's and you're trying to fix something and you're trying to um like use all of your effort to push forward in a way that um that's hard and there's like a lot of resistance and so for me the the biggest shift in moving away from that willpower mentality was shifting from trying to fix myself to learning how to take care of myself yeah and when when I'm thinking, and I, I mean, I ask myself, you know, questions every single day, like, what, what can I do today to take care of myself? And that, it sounds probably like a really subtle shift from like fixing to taking care, but it, it's been the most, the most powerful shift for me. And when I am coming from a place of caring enough about myself that I'm making choices, um, you know, because I care about myself, because I'm trying to, because I'm trying to make myself feel good and, and to do, you know, to fulfill the needs that I have, mm -hmm. I don't need willpower. Cause I mean, I think we can all relate to really caring so deeply about someone when they, when they want to spend time with you, when they want to talk to you, when they want to, you know, do things with you, when they need your support or your help, it is an easy yes to say to that person, like, mm. yes, I will show up for you. Like I will hold yeah. space for you. I will spend time with you. I will talk to you. I will listen to you. Those things are so easy. So it was about creating the kind of relationship with myself, um, where it's like, yeah, I am also someone who I love and I want to spend time with and I want to talk to and I trust and I, you know, I'm communicating with and I'm, I want to like show up for myself. I want to hold space for myself. I want to, you know, spend time with myself. And so when that shift happened and I wasn't trying to fix myself anymore, but was, you know, just taking care of myself, just having a, a relationship with myself, then, you know, making those choices didn't, didn't require willpower. It just required me to care enough about myself that, you know, I wanted to be kind. 
Oh, I love that. Not trying to fix yourself. I think, you know, even just hearing those, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but even if like I know something and then I hear it on a podcast or I read it in a book and I'm like, oh, yes, like I don't need to fix myself. And I think that when, you know, your clients, my clients, when they can hear that, um, and it's not about, I, I tell my clients all the time, you know, it's not about the, the perfect diet or the meal plan or the X, Y, and Z. It's what we're going to work on on the inside. Cause you know, that that's what matters. Um, one, so I mean, I've been like obsessed with you and your like little family and all the good things for so long now, when I heard you on Katie's, um, podcast and at one point you talked about this moment you had on your honeymoon. Mm -hmm. Um, can you kind of tell us what this explained for them? Because I know what it is, but they, people who are listening, they don't, what that moment on your honeymoon was and how you kind of dealt with what was happening and kind of like any like epiphanies or things that happened in that moment for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like the moment that you're talking about, um, on my honeymoon was like my wake up call. It was my yeah. my turning point in my relationship with with food and really in my relationship um, with myself. So uh, I was on my honeymoon with my with my husband Tim, and we were in Quebec City. Um, it's a long story. We were supposed to go to Belize, but then there was a hurricane. So like three days before our wedding, we were like, shit, I guess we're going to we're going to Quebec City instead. So oh we gosh. end up in Quebec City for our honeymoon and. Um, we had, it was fall, so we were like all cozy, we were out at this restaurant, and we had wine and french fries, and just like very, like beautiful, decadent meal, and I, the whole time I was at this meal, I was just trying to figure out, like, okay, um, how many calories is in a french fry, like how many calories is in this glass of wine, like what have I, what am I consuming right now, and because I didn't know, because I didn't know the facts, I didn't know the numbers, um, it sort of started this like anxious tornado in my mind and we're you know we're eating dinner we go back to the hotel afterwards and I'm just like spiraling out of control in my head about what did I eat how much was in it what time am I gonna have to wake up tomorrow morning to run to like burn this off I don't even know because I don't know how many calories were in there and feeling so gross and yucky and I went into the bathroom um because I was so anxious, I was like, okay, I just need like a moment to myself. So I took some lingerie in the bathroom and I was like, I'm gonna put this lingerie on, I'll be out. Um, so I like get in this lingerie and I'm just like so disgusted with myself. Mm. Um, in that moment, I just felt, oh, just so gross in my skin. And it was a physical feeling like my skin was crawling, um, but also a very like deep emotional um, and mental anxiety as well. Yeah. And I basically just, you know, had had a breakdown. Like I was sobbing hysterically. I just hated myself so much. Um, I could not be. I couldn't be present on my honeymoon at all. I was so so in my head, so out of my body. And um, my, you know, Tim came to the door and he's like, "What's going on?" And I just, you know, basically let let the floodgates open and <sighs> everything I was feeling and. Of course, this wasn't the first time that he had heard me say, like, yucky things about my body or, yeah. you know, talk about, oh, I shouldn't eat that or, or whatever after after we had been out for a meal. But I think it was the first time that he really understood, like, how deeply, like, I loathed myself. Hmm. And he, 
you know, he was asked me to open the door and just gave me a hug and told me that, you know, he didn't, he didn't think that the way that I felt about myself was normal and, or healthy. Um, and he definitely didn't see the things that I was saying that I saw in myself and that he thought that I should get some help because it really, you know, was like breaking his heart to see someone who he loved so much who he thought, you know, was so incredible say these things um, about herself. So that for me was like this crazy turning point where I realized that, oh my gosh, this stuff that I'm dealing with, this these feelings that I have about myself, like they're no longer just affecting me, like they're affecting now my marriage and this, you know, this incredible relationship that I have. I'm on my honeymoon and I can't even enjoy it. Like this yeah. is crazy. And so I just had this feeling of, oh, I don't want to miss out on my entire life feeling this way. Like this is so so yucky and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be like 95 years old and will never have been present for anything good in my life if I don't, yes. you know, do what, what Tim is suggesting and, and get some help. So that was, I, I came home from the honeymoon and I looked up a health coach and the wonderful Amy Marsleff, who is still a, a dear friend of mine and she was such an angel in my journey and I, I started, you know, working with her immediately and that was that was the beginning of this of this part of my life. <laughs> That's um it's so great that he can he was able to be there for you, but not just be there for you, but also, you know, say like, hey, like I think that you need help because we don't want to hear that like we can't do things on our own. At least I know that's how I felt. Um and I think that, you know, so many of my clients they come to me and their spouses or partners family aren't supportive they just kind of brush off what's happening and they don't really know how to help um so the fact that he could be there for you and also kind of guide you into your healing is really beautiful um what was that like you know prior so prior to the honeymoon prior to this moment obviously that probably wasn't the first time um were there other things that he said or kind of like what was his role in your journey prior to that you know how did you guys handle your relationship with food within the relationship like did it affect your relationship a lot um it definitely it definitely did i think um i think there was probably a part of him and i mean basically like everyone in my life who saw me as a very like type a control freak hmm. and so a lot of my behavior around food um also just a side note i have celiac disease and i got diagnosed um a few years before we got married, so okay. that also played into it. Where if I had, I had like a quote unquote socially acceptable excuse to be a little bit more controlled around food, if that yeah. makes sense. And yeah. so I think people were already like, "Oh, Cindy has you know this autoimmune disease. And she she can't eat gluten." And so that that kind of um, I think that made it a little less concerning for people because they were like, "Oh, it's because of this." Yeah. But in my relationship she's you know she likes to have bliss she likes to be really controlled and this is just um you know a little bit of who she is but there were times there were many many times where um where I would say things about myself and really Tim is the only person who I ever opened up to about how I felt about my body I never ever ever criticized my body or even talked about dieting or anything 
with my friends because I think there was a part of me that knew somewhere deep down that it was that it was unhealthy what I was doing and so I wanted to hide it um and so it was very secretive but when I would share with Tim how I felt about my body like there were many times where he said like what you are saying is scary to me you're you're scaring me like with what you're saying and it was really only on our honeymoon when he was finally like no this is like it's not just scary to me this is just scary and you need to get help and so um it I mean it affected you know it definitely affected like intimacy in our relationship not just physical but emotional because there you know I was I was never 100% there because I was always in my head obsessing yeah 100% um so yeah that was that was for sure the reality and I um it I just thought of when (laughs) when we got engaged um Tim and I we went out for we went out for a run um and I was really in I was really into running at the time. Um, I, I, I was running like half marathons and marathons and ran like six days a week without fail. Um, and so he, because running was such a big part of my life, he was like, okay, perfect. We'll go for a run. We lived in Chicago at the time along the lake. And, you know, he had planned to propose to me on this run. And so we're out on this run. I feel like this will just show like into my mind <laughs> at the time. And we had, we had planned to do like a specific run that was four miles long and about um a, like a mile into it he like thinks that he hurt his ankle <laughs> and he was like oh Sam, like my ankle I need to like I need to sit down like I hurt my ankle and like this is when he was gonna you know do the proposal yeah and I literally left him to finish like, okay you stay here um I told myself that I was running four miles today so I'm gonna need to go like finish this I'll come back and get you he was like wait what no like, I hurt myself and you and I was like, nope, you sit here, stretch it out, like I'll be back. So I left him. Like when he was about to propose to me to go finish my run. Oh, and then my like gosh. came back and he was like, Okay, I have something to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, but just like a little just a little like peek into basically how I like operated my whole my whole life then. Like everything was regimented. I had to check certain boxes every single day and then you know in the evening time sometimes it was every day sometimes it was once a week depending on depending on what was going on but then I would like binge at nighttime so it was it was it was pretty frequently then like would you have periods of time like weeks or months where you wouldn't binge or would it be pretty like yeah yeah it was um you know it was just it was different like sometimes I would sometimes I I would go I never months Sometimes I would go, you know, weeks without it and then, um, and then would have like a really bad binge and other times, um, depending on what was going on in my life, uh, yeah, it would be, it would be every single day for like a week or two weeks. You know, I think it's just like your, your proposal running story. I think that, I mean, now we can laugh about those things, but like when we really like look back and think like, oh my gosh, like who, like, how did that happen? I mean, and now we can look at it from a point, I'm sure, like, you are grateful for your journey because it's led you here, and now you can help free and empower so many women, and I think that's the gift from the journey that you had to go through, but I mean, definitely looking back, I can, like, pull out some really scary, like, I remember this one time I was, um, I had told my ex-husband, 
don't let me like if, if I want to go to the store don't let me go like don't drive me take my money away like don't give me the keys and and he didn't know either like I would tell him um, like I have this food thing and and I just need you to like not let me eat and then I'd be like so then I would try and twist it on him and be like um, so we should celebrate the fact that you're off work early or something like that so it was now a celebration and he didn't really know much about food so that left me you know I could then binge on protein bars or cookie butter um, and he was like is this okay like can you eat that and then it would shift the power like into my hands and so I had this moment of like okay I could tell him that no I should, probably shouldn't eat a whole jar of cookie butter or 12 quest bars but like he thinks that they're healthy and I remember this one time where I told him you know don't let me go don't let me go and so I'm like hey like I need the keys I have to go to the store and he said no and I yelled at him and I don't like I would like to think I'm a very like zen chill person and I screamed at him because he wouldn't let me go and and I look back at it now and I'm just like I feel like the way, like, my behavior in those moments were that of, like, a drug addict or something. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's sad because, again, like, we, you know, talking about binging, there, you know, again, coming back to, like, the shame centered around it. And I, I mean, I can laugh now and, like, realize that I was a total nut job. Um, but it's, it's definitely, it's definitely scary and it makes you grateful for, you know, where you are now. Um, so flashing forward to now, so you were then able to, you know, work with someone and create a healthy relationship with your body, with food. Um, when you decided to have Osh, what was that like for you? Now you had created this healthy relationship or healthier relationship with food in your body. And now it was getting ready to go through a ton of changes. So can you walk us through what that was like for you? Yeah. So, um, when I, when we decided that, um, that we were going to try to get pregnant, um, I wasn't, I, at the time, like I was probably, I, I was in a really great place with myself when we decided to do that. And so I wasn't, I really didn't have many concerns, um, in that moment about like body changes or anything. I, I was really excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. Like I'm going to have this amazing glowing pregnancy like mm -hmm. I cannot wait to just be this like beautiful pregnant woman I'm gonna feel like so awesome and feminine and I'm gonna you know I've got this relationship with myself I'm gonna take such good care of myself I was really I was really excited and my mom um loved being pregnant and so I I don't know if you feel this way but I I often think like things that we heard growing up like it's just I I feel like sometimes it's it's what we think is going to be true. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'll have that experience. Yes. And so I was really excited. I'm like, I'm going to love being pregnant. This is going to be awesome. So um, we get pregnant, and I found out really early on. I found out when I was two weeks pregnant, and um, I felt good. And then around week three or four, I just started puking my guts up, and I was throwing up constantly, like, 16, 20 times a day. Oh my so gosh. Sick. Um, couldn't like, couldn't get out of bed. It was just like needed to lay in the pit. 
pitch black felt so sick and everyone said like oh it's normal it's like first trimester stuff um but the only thing that I could eat that didn't seem to like aggravate my nausea were very like very processed things so I was basically living off of like pad thai and um like gluten-free toaster waffles and that really triggered um that triggered some panic in me not that I was worried about my body changes but I realized that when that was all that I could eat I still had some like leftover food rules where I was worried like oh my gosh I'm not taking good care of myself like something's gonna happen with the baby like the baby isn't gonna get like the nutrition that Mm. he needs or those kinds of things and I had a lot of I had a, a lot of those food rules and food panic that came up for me and so even though it sounded different than in the past like I still recognized it for what it was and so I had to kind of work through work through that um emotionally and I ended up having hyperemesis so I was sick through my entire pregnancy oh my god um and so I had plenty of I had plenty of time through those nine months to to work through that and to get a little bit um to get a little bit more comfortable with that and what I will say is that I think because I felt so, um, because I felt so sick the entire pregnancy, um, that I really, I was very distracted from body changes, if that makes sense. So I, I don't know that I had like, quote, I mean, no one's pregnancy is typical. Everyone's unique and it's so different, but I wasn't really even like thinking about, you know, how my body was changing. I was just trying to like get through the day and yeah, you know, get the things done that I needed to get done and sleep as much as I possibly could and just it was sort of a it was sort of a survival mode time because of being so sick. I I can't even imagine what that must have been like but I mean while it's definitely not the distraction that you would wish for or hope um I mean at least now you have Osh and it didn't you know I feel like a lot of women who are working on healthier you know creating a healthy relationship with food in their body prior to pregnancy and then they go through pregnancy it can be like a really um beautiful thing or it can be a really scary thing and so I'm glad that you you know while it was scary in one sense because your body was kind of like rebelling against you, um, you were able to stay distracted. So how did you, or what would you say to women who, you know, now they've created this healthier relationship with food in their body, but something like pregnancy happens or something happens and you, you, you know, you come across those fear foods, like you said, um, the pad thai and the toaster waffles, what were some things you did to kind of work through those emotions that process and being like, you know, this is, this is all I can get down, but this is like kind of like a scary thing for me. How did you work through that? Totally. Well, even though my, even though pregnancy was, was challenging for me, I feel like it took, I really feel like it took my relationship with my body to a deeper level that I had never had the opportunity to go to in my work up until that point, because it, like, at, um, you know, the most basic, the most basic level, like, my body needed me to take care of her so much during that time, and I really had to let go of what I, what I had wanted pregnancy to look like, or what I thought it should look like, and really just be in my, you know, in my own reality, taking care of myself, and it opened me up to what self-care could look like in a different chapter, so, like, it, it looked a lot like, 
resting a lot more and yeah. you know, eating whatever eating whatever it was that like my body could process, not necessarily what I thought I quote unquote should be eating. And so the you know the thing that really helped me and what I think can be applied to any woman's any woman's experience, um, even if it's completely different than mine, is that self care and having having a positive, healthy relationship with yourself requires openness and flexibility to different seasons in life. Mm. And pregnancy is going to be a different season than before pregnancy and then after pregnancy. And just giving giving yourself permission to change, giving yourself your life permission for things to look differently than maybe like what you would have planned for it. And just showing up every single day and asking yourself, like, what do you need? How can I take care of you? It's okay if it looks different than what I thought it was going to look like. And for me, that was so that was so true during my pregnancy. And now, now having had Osh, I feel like even a deeper connection with my body that I didn't even know was possible because we went through because we went through that together. And because I chose to show up for mm. myself. And so yes. I I think that that, I mean, that's what I, that's what I would encourage, you know, women to do is just to be open to change. Like our bodies are made to change. They are not made to look the same, like for our entire lives. And so allowing, allowing that and just accepting that that is, that's something to be, that's something to be celebrated, whether we're talking about pregnancy or not, um, we're all we're all changing and we're we're not meant to stay the same not physically not not emotionally you know not even like in our interests like we're we're created to change oh my gosh i love everything you just said our bodies are made to change yes 100 percent um i think what, what you said about allowing ourselves permission to change is like what was kind of like a, a, an epiphany in my mind in my relationship with um, my body. You know, I just and pregnancy is what did it for me too. Not the the postpartum or during part. The, the during part, I was like, wow, I'm gonna love pregnancy and all pregnant women glow and it's gonna be beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I would look at pregnant women and I and you know I was younger when I had Cooper, so I would like talk to pregnant women and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're glowing, you're beautiful, and they would like mm-hmm. grunt and like laugh at me. And um and then I, I definitely like I, I enjoyed my pregnancy except for when I started like waddling all over the place. Yes. Um, <laughs> um and then afterwards I, I definitely didn't feel connection or love to my body, but it was once I kind of worked through, you know, my, you know, unhealthy relationship with food in my body. And then I got to the point of like, what is self love? And then I really thought about it in terms of pregnancy. And I'm just like, it's not the, the five pounds you want to lose or the 15 pounds or the genes from high school you want to fit into because our bodies are going to be ever changing. You know, we're going to age. We, you know, things are going to happen. We're going to go through pregnancy. And it's when I could make that connection in my mind, like, oh my gosh, it, it's it's never been about how small I can be. It's about the the permission to be here and live within that space of whatever your body is doing and, and that being enough and that being okay. So Totally. And I think it's like when you're talking about, you know, like losing the five pounds or like fitting into those jeans. Sometimes, um, you know, I, I will ask clients or, you know, even if I find myself 
not necessarily like with weight, but just thinking about, you know, checking certain boxes or having things be different. I just asked myself, like, what could, what would I be able to do in my life, you know, in that situation? Or what would you be able to do in your life in that situation that you do not have the ability to do now? And Mm. the answer is like nothing, you know, like maybe like, okay, if you could fit into your high school jeans, I guess you would fit into your high school jeans, but like that, that would change nothing, you know? And so I think it's so, I think, I don't know, it's just so important to remember that a lot of times the things that we think are waiting, like on the other side of that weight loss or on the other side of those jeans or, you know, the other side of whatever, this many more like Instagram followers, all the things that you know, the pressures that I hear women putting on themselves is nothing of, like, nothing of value. Yes, 100%. And that's another thing, like, we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, when someone says something and it's just like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Like, even though you already knew that, I just had one of those moments with everything you just said. <laughs> um, because it's, it's so, it's so 100% true. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such a fabulous conversation and I feel so fired up on self-love right now and it's perfect because today is Valentine's Day. <laughs> it is so perfect to have this conversation today. I'm so glad we got to talk to talk on Valentine's Day. I know. This has been amazing. Well, I just have a couple like more like quick fire questions for you really quick. Um, okay. So... As a mom and a business owner, what are some things that you do to love yourself? Um, Big, small, anything. I feel like not enough people, I think that, you know, women in general, they think that loving yourself has to mean, you know, buying yourself expensive flowers or buying, you know, expensive things in general. So what are some things that you do to kind of like fill up your cup and show yourself love? Totally. So right now, um... Oh, she just turned five months old, oh. and as like a like you were saying, like a mom and a business owner, I feel like for me to show up 100% for my work, for my clients, which I I want to do, it's a desire of mine to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I one of the ways that I show myself self love is connecting with my family, with Osh and with Tim in the morning, so that I go into my day feeling, um, feeling really connected to them. And I don't have to spend all day, um, you know, resenting the fact that I have to work and I'm not with them. So for me, that's really, really huge is that early morning connection. And even though it's not something that I do alone, that's another thing. I think people think, um, self-love has to be things that they do on their own, but sometimes like self-love is connecting with other people. What, if that's what your need is, if that's what you need. Um, and so connecting with them early in the morning is such a, such a huge thing. Um, another thing is a shower every day. It sounds silly. And silly no. It, it's so, it feels so good for me. It's, um, it feels so relaxing and nice. And yeah, so a shower a day is something that I do for myself and also fresh air. Like I, yeah. I love fresh air. It gives me energy. It doesn't matter how cold it is. Like I will... I will bundle up and, and get outside for for a walk or if you know the weather isn't that great, I'll just like stand out on my porch, just get some fresh air. And those are those are all ways that, that I take care of myself. And then daily, daily prayer, that's that's something that I need. Um, that's really important to me to feel connected with myself and just to feel really like supported and taken care of. Oh, I love that and I really love that you shared that self love can look like spending time with your family and 
you know, creating connection in that way. I feel like most people don't associate self-love with, you know, filling up your cup with other people or creating that connection and bond with other people. So I really love that you shared that. Um, what is your favorite way to move your body? So what do you do for movement? What do you love to do? I mean, aside from like getting outside, are there any other things you like to do? Um, well, I love, I love bar classes. Um, I take bar class at Studio View Wellness in German Village, and I started taking classes there a couple years ago, and it was really the first, like, non-running exercise that I had ever, that I'd ever done and loved, and it was definitely a catalyst in my relationship with exercise changing. Um, I you know, before had been such a, such a cardio junkie and there's nothing wrong with cardio. I don't think it sounds like that, but it was, you know, something that I felt like I had to do that I should do. And so, um, finding, finding bar was, was really special for me. And so it has a, it has a special place in my heart. And I was just in San Francisco this last weekend and took a few soul cycle classes and those were awesome. They were so fun. Um, isn't cycling so great? You know, I definitely, I'm not like, I'm not a cardio person, in that sense, um, and I started taking cycling classes at Cycling 614, or Cycle 614, and I thought I was going to die my first class. Like, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done, and so I went to another class, because they're like, go three or four times, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to, like, commit to, like, getting outside of my comfort zone. Uh-huh. And now I go, I went on Sunday, and it was a, it was like a Love Wins-themed class, and... <gasps> Yes, it was so much fun. So all of the music was like on love and then the guy who was teaching, at one point he like threw his hands up in the air and he was just like, you are here because you love yourself, connect to your inner worth. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And um, I'm going to New York City next week and there's a Soul Cycle studio there. So I'm going to try one of those classes too. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't wait to, I can't wait to hear what you think. I don't know if this will happen to you, but there was a point in the Soul Cycle class where, like, I almost started crying. I was like, what is yes. happening right now? Yes. Oh my gosh, no, I almost started crying on Sunday. And, and, you know, I, I think that I'm a, I'm a water sign, so I think, like, I'm emotional just in general. Um, and, like, after I had Cooper, like, I only got, like, ten times more emotional. But. Totally. He's like. He's like, why are you here? Set your intention. You love yourself. And, you know, I was trying to explain it to somebody because, like, me doing, me cycling is kind of, like, out of, like, my realm of where I've stayed in Uh fitness, which I like. Like, I like that it's so different. Um, But, you know, I was trying to explain it to somebody, and I'm like, you know, in cycling, you know how hard you're working. You know, in strength training for me, I can go and I can move through it, but it's not... Sometimes I'm like, is this challenging? And then in cycling, I was just like, I'm like working hard. I know when I'm like, I know when I'm challenging myself in a, in a way that honors my body. And, and I'm just like, yes, I've got this. Like I, I told um, my friend before I went, I was like, I'm probably going to leave and be like, yes, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Cause every time I just have these like huge, like grand thoughts of like from how awesome the class is. So, um, totally. <laughs> But, okay, my last question, and it relates to writing a book. You are writing a book, right? I am, yes. Um, when, when is this um, happening? Can you tell us anything about it? Um, yes, I am. So the book is going to, well, I hope the book will be done at the end of summer. That's my plan. So and soon. Then, um, so hopefully it will be out this fall. Uh, right 
be sharing personal stories, but then obviously like the greater lesson from those stories that people can take and use in their own journey um, to connecting with themselves. And the whole the whole purpose behind the book is just to help women come back to themselves so that they can show up fully in their life, live live their authentic life, um, feel comfortable and confident in their own skin. So every chapter will be like a different tool in the tool belt for doing that. I hope. I, <laughs> we'll I love that and I am so excited for you. And I think I remember hearing the title now, maybe it was on Facebook or something, and I remember thinking, yes, yes, yes. I love that. Um, I am so excited for you and I can't wait to read it. Thank you so much, Rachel. This has been such a treat to get to talk with you today. Oh, I know, finally. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And I can't wait to have you on again as a published author, maybe someday. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. <laughs> All right, Simi. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. All right, have a good day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you.